Hello, and welcome to the Super 70 Podcast, Special Report with Dave Anderson. If you're listening to this, then you know the format of this show is effectively a film commentary. You turn on the film and watch it with me, scene by scene, while I comment on what's going on visually or scenically or analytically or whatever that's going on on screen. Last month, I asked a friend of mine, Dave Anderson, to come onto the show and watch The Terminator with me. We had so much fun that Dave recommended that I turn the mics on while we shot the shit for a couple of hours after the podcast was over. This special report is the result of that fine night, about six beers, and the enjoyment of two friends who had not seen each other for a number of years. In fact, I saw Dave more when I lived in another country, and that's sad. The result of that night is the following, which I hope you will enjoy as we wax semi-intellectual about sequels, the state of the world, and human nature. So, bonus content. Bonus content, special edition with Dave Anderson. Mm-hmm. We're just going to... Just continue on with what we were doing during the podcast itself when we veered dramatically away from the on-screen action. Yeah, and go over... Like, beer going to explode. Yeah. Should be should be fine. Weird things are going to happen. That'll be interesting to fix in those. Yeah, that's okay. That's my Buddha beer. Did you, did you notice? Like <laughs> I did see. It I is like see. a, and that's the name of it. It's it's is called Buddha Beer. Beer. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking? Oh, I am drinking Art Car, IPA, oh. St. Arnold's. You're an IPA guy. I am an IPA guy. Man, I you couldn't pay me enough to be an IPA. guy. Oh, I'll bet you're wrong. There's some number. I don't know what it is. It's probably not as much as you think it is either. Well, once you get used to it, you can't not have. I it. don't want to get used to a beer. What? I don't want to get used to a beer. I want to drink it and enjoy it. Wait a second. You're saying you get used to IPA. I don't want to I, get used I to it. I wasn't really used to the taste of beer when I started drinking it, but I, oh, I, made, some, I made some effort and like, there you go. Turns out I like it. <laughs> no, um, IPA. I remember the first time I had an IPA, or at least I remember the first time I recognized having an IPA and enjoying it. It was one of the first times where I went, oh, now I get it, right? It was like... There's lots of times the first, second, third time you do something, it isn't all that great, and you think it might be overrated. And for me, then IPA was one of those things where I don't remember the first few times I had it because it was obviously not one of those things I liked, but the first time I had it and I liked it is really liked it. And it was Sierra Nevada's, and it wasn't even an IPA. It was their um, Pale Ale, which was a reasonably hoppy beer to me at that time. I feel the same way about The Last Crusade. That's an unexpected statement in correlation. Yeah. The, How so? Well, you know, I had to get used to it. Yeah. I is it good? I think the Last Crusade is good. I think that it's it's not on par with. No, it's not. Temple of Doom or Raiders. Is, is it okay? So if the Crystal Skull didn't exist, oh my would it God. be good? Uh, would if the Crystal Skull did not exist, would the Last Crusade be good? Right. Would you look at it back at it fondly? I looked at it fondly before the Crystal Skull came out. Okay. Well, that, uh, that answers that. I th- yeah. I, th- I think that it's a good movie. I, it, I don't think that, I mean, as as Spielberg movies goes, I think it's in, definitely in the bottom quartile. Yeah, that's probably fair. 
That's probably fair. But, you know, is it 1984? No, it's yeah. not, not 1984. 1941. That's his big bomb. That's from 1979. Yeah, that's not good. That is not a good yeah, movie. I've never seen that in theaters. It's not good. Even I mean, then, I and it, I was probably seven when it came out. I was like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. Except for, of course, um, John Belushi. Hollywood, which I remember pretty vividly. Well, I remember just looking at things and not understanding why they were supposed to be funny, like uh, yeah. uh, Dan Aykroyd putting the the hose on his head and then pushing the oranges into his eyes and saying, look, I'm a bug, I'm yeah. a bug. And I, it wasn't like, funny. No. no. No, it was trying to hard. Everybody was coked up on that one. So, you know, it's actually, it's, it's funny you bring it up in regards to the Crystal Skull, right? I was thinking about that before I headed down in that... All right, if I think of the great or the more popular movie series, right, where there's a direct um, sequel, I, I can't think of a whole lot that are batting very high percentage. Is that, oh, That's yours. Why? Um, pause? Pause. Pause. Let me pause. Okay. Are we recording? Right. Yeah. So, okay. <clears throat> go ahead. No, no, it, it's one of those that we always talk about. I mean, there's not a whole lot of movies that have more than one good sequel, right? Two is remarkably uncommon, right? And then you've got your one, your series like, you know, um, the Born Identity and the and the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Bond movies, right? Yeah. And the uh, the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is kind of remarkable in my brain. And that, from a pure entertainment standpoint, they're probably batting seventy-five to eighty yeah. percent. Right? There's not a whole lot of god awful ones. I mean, some of them are not great, but I don't know if any of them are terrible. Right, like the the two Hulks. Yeah, and and actually, the second Hulk the second is the only not, one that that belongs in this universe that they're creating. And I don't think it's terrible. I don't it's think not it's very terrible. good. I don't but it's prefer not terrible. It. Right. Yeah. I think, and largely, I think that it's just casting. Like, I think Edward Norton is miscast. Um, you think he's miscast? Because I think, I think, my memory of it is that he does fine as um, Banner, but the is it's overall the story itself just isn't quote fun, right? And that's one of the things that Marvel Universe does really, really well is it really embodies fun. Is right. I mean, it's now a Disney-owned property, which is fitting because. To a certain degree, it's very much their Disney movies, not from a sanitized standpoint, but from a just a it's from a workmanship, entertainment. They're really good at it. Um, but yeah, even Infinity War, it had uh, moments that I was just it was fun. The fight on Titan was fun. Right, I enjoyed that movie though. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Well, but sequels. I mean, you you are right. I mean, Empire to me is mm-hmm. the greatest sequel. Of all time. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I, it's my favorite movie. It's your favorite. So it's... I guess that makes sense, and I can see where it would be your favorite sequel. But I don't. It's hard to say it's objectively better than Godfather Two, right? Oh, I'm... like I don't. I don't think that Godfather Two is is better than Godfather One. Oh, see, I guess I, that's where that. I'm, I'm now. I'm outside the box on that one. Well, I don't, Everyone... know if you're outside the bo- I don't know if you're outside the box or not, but I know what you mean. That is generally considered is generally considered the better one. Yeah, for some percentage of the population. Yeah. Now I did. Um, I wrote an article about this. By the way, you can mm-hmm. find it on my website at www.thatdelmandavis.com. It's it's in the uh, the film <laughs> review section, where a friend of mine at, at work actually said, "Well, I read. I found this review from uh, Vincent Candy back in 1976 or when the movie came out and." 
and it, it talked about how uh, The Godfather Part Two is just not a not a good movie. And he, he quoted Ebert's review too, and he sent me a third one. And I went back and read them all, and I think there's a, a lot of things going on. It, and I'm not going to go through the detail because it's, right. it's not the format for it. But for, the first thing that's going on is Vincent Canby is vacuous, and I don't know if he's still alive anymore. And I almost don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people. And this is just my opinion, folks. There are some people that rode Pauline Kale's coattails like no fucking tomorrow. Oh, sure. Now, uh, I don't particularly even like Pauline Kale. I got a lot of problems with her. I mean, she said, you know, I only watch movies once, and, and she called herself a fan. Like, I don't think that's the definition of a fan if you're watching your favorite movie once or something. Well, it all depends but, on how you, you know, look at it. You know, if it's one of those things where I want to consume as much as possible, you, at least you can see that perspective. Yeah. Well, in Hollywood's kicking out, and in the sixties, they were kicking out like two hundred fifty films a year. Yeah, you know, that right. it was drastically cut down from like the forties when it was like four hundred and fifty at a year. least. Yeah. Right. I think the peak was nineteen forty-five. I don't so, doubt it. Um, Which is ironic. It'd be nineteen forty-five, but right. Yeah, you would think that because of the war that it would be a smaller percentage. But but anyway, like can be in a, a lot of his. I don't want to say ilk, but there are a lot of people that made careers being film critics and analysts who had no business being film critics or analysts. And I'm not putting Ebert in with that. Ebert no, a, Ebert's tremendous. He is. And he, and he had a, and he was a huge fan of kale. Right. And, and greatly appreciated her and everything that she did. But she made sure that a lot of people had jobs who normally would not have jobs doing film reviews. Mm-hmm. And so Canby wrote this piece on The Godfather Part Two. It was, it was almost like he didn't even watch the fucking movie. Okay. Like, yeah, he, he complained about the uh, uh, the Little Italy scene. The, you know, the, the, the entire uh, Don Finucci walking down in the festival. and What was his criticism? Uh, it was, he actually said it looked too authentic. It looked fake because it was too authentic. He said, you know, there's a, there's okay, a Model now, T truck coming by, and, and it's, it's just... Now you're just it, reaching... Yeah, like, come on, man. Like, Coppola spent fucking months yeah. planning that. Yeah. And how many weeks shooting it? Yeah, it's... In my mind, you know, you asked me what my favorite movie was earlier, yeah. right? Yeah. And I don't have an answer. But there are a few movies that, you know, they're that, you know, that Mount Rushmore. And it's more than four, of course. But... It's like, okay, there's not a darn thing I would change about them. Right. And I think that Godfather 2 is one of those I wouldn't change a darn thing about. I, I couldn't say that about Apocalypse Now or... Oh, wow. I, 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 you know, there's some parts that, you know, it's really nitpicking, nitpicking, right? But yeah. But it's one of those that, okay, this is... Eh, it's not exactly what I would imagine, which doesn't make it, you know, that it's valid criticism. This is, you know, certainly coming from a guy who doesn't make movies. But, you know, I do think that, you know, Empire is a huge step up from Star Wars. Yes. And of that batch of films, the genre, or not the genre, but the series, I think it is it's probably the best in my opinion. But I don't know if I'd consider it the best sequel for me personally, because there are parts that I... You know, if I watch it again, which I will watch again probably in the next two years, it's like, okay, that kind of drags. It's 
just doesn't 100 percent work for me which doesn't mean it's not a nine out of a ten it's just not a ten out of a ten yeah well to a lot of people particularly we you know when they're on the we're on the the meteor and the wormhole mm-hmm. yeah you know, it slows down so much or when when luke is on dagobah it really slows down yeah a lot but i can i can tolerate that like mm-hmm. I, when i was a kid i used to speed forward right it's kind of like in jedi when they kind of have that, that the the vignette type of sequence in the end when it it goes between Endor and the space battle right. and the in the the Emperor's throne room, and I used to fast forward through the Emperor's throne room because nothing's fucking going on. It's just it's yeah, it's, it's know, a bunch of talk and not a whole lot of action. Right, and it's just Lando is just the fucking genesis of that entire sequence, and you know Han is cool with everything that's going on in Endor, but it's really Lando in the space battle that's really drawing your interest. Right, right. So I, I get that from Empire, but as I grow older and I age and and. I have developed this very strange aspect of my personality, which at least you acknowledge it. Fears <laughs> and hates fascism in a okay. very almost like I served in a war and fought against it type of way, which right. I would never do. And two chicken shit. Yeah. And, You've got some degree of emotional... I do. Which is almost irrational based on your it history. It is. Yeah. I, I wasn't born in 1920. You know, I, yeah. I mean, the amount of fascism we've actually, regardless of what anybody says right. in the current administration, <laughs> we, we have no f- fascist component that's really... Not, not yet. Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't reared its ugly head. Right. But, but despite that, like when I see Empire, I see that mm-hmm. struggle. Right. And... That really, it's it's probably one of the reasons why I love the Night Porter. Oh, okay. Gonna, I've never, I've actually not seen that. I very, know, I know what it is. But yeah, yeah, it. and and uh, it draws me to a lot of films, and to find something like that argument mm-hmm. in in a sci-fi film is different and strange, and it's just why it draws me to it. A lot of people just like Empire because they like Empire. Well, yeah, you know, and and that's that. <laughs> I have to admit, that's an unexpected justification for your love for it. Yeah. Which is not bad. It's just unexpected. Well, I think that's, and I think it says a lot about uh, uh, the things in all of us, like, you know, Luke in the cave and right. and, and Vader and, and, oh, it's actually me oh, in there. Sure. And and you know, I, I fight aspects of, of my personality when I see shit in the news. And I'm like, why, you know, why can't they just take that person out and shoot them? Right. You know, that's just a common thought process we all go through. I, I find it highly offensive that John Walker Lynn was, who's the American Taliban that they caught in Afghanistan, okay. Okay. that he wasn't just taken up against a wall and shot. You find, he, the, you know, you find it offensive. I find it wasn't. offensive that he was not killed, okay. uh, summarily executed as a U.S. citizen fighting his own country. He, right. The man is a fucking traitor. Well, that, that is truly he, the he, definition. He plea bargained down from 90 years to 20 and he's going to be on parole in 17. Right. That's offensive to me. That now that's that that I can see being offensive. I just, right. I've just not heard a lot of people say that, you know, a public execution. Well, not, well, not well kind, kind of public. It would be on a battlefield <laughs> in a in a in a foreign country, yeah, right? No, I think. But I, that's a fascist I, aspect of my personality that I fight and that I don't like. That we say things like well, that, is that, which fascist? is. I think that it's fascist to it summarily just, execute people. Yes. Well, I mean, you're. When you say summarily, you... Oh, well, it's often, not random. I, well, no, right. well, I mean, usually when someone says summarily, it means that there's been no evaluation of the facts, right? There's no there's no proceeding. Yes. Right, and I, I don't... In this, in this case, they knew when they caught him right, that he was it, an American. I, I think it still makes sense to 
do a complete proceeding, whatever that happens due to process. be. Due process, exactly. But I don't think it's one of those things where it has to be a seven-year court case, but it is one of those where everybody should have their opportunity. And if you are found guilty and the um, prescribed judgment is execution, it's one of those that, okay, that's what it should be. Then that isn't necessarily fascist, right? No, no. Due process is not fascist. The, that's the antithesis of fascist. Right. So I don't know... I don't know. I don't think that you had a due process in a, in a fascist society, whether it be right. Peronist, right. Argentino, and that, or and that, and that totally makes sense, right? But yeah. when you were saying that that may be something that's fascist from you. I don't know if that's necessarily accurate, okay? Right, okay. because you're not recommending that that would have happened without some degree of right. due process, right. right? And probably a high degree of due process, because I personally as it currently stands, I'm in favor of the death penalty, not for everybody, no, of no, course, no. but it's one of those things where I think it should be an available, you know, mechanism in the justice system. But it's one of those that should be really, really vetted before, yes. so to speak, executed. And that's one of the problems with it right, is not vetted correctly. Well, yeah, it is. And I don't, everybody's definition of that could change. Right. But it's also one of those where some people would define having the death penalty in general as fascist and i don't know if that's necessarily what i believe well i don't think in in, in a particular situation texas may be a bad example but in, in another state where you have a you have a populace mm-hmm. which which votes for representatives and right. those representatives decide that uh you know the will of the people is to uh is to approve the death penalty mm-hmm. or in california's case where they got rid of it in 1969 or whatever Whenever it was, it was right yeah. Uh, and lots of states did that. I think there are 36 states have it, but they, you know, most majority of them don't use it. And there's a minority where it's, they don't right. have it for, I think it, the will of the people is, is, is not a fascist. Well, sometimes the, the people through can. a representative democracy, there's so many qualifiers right. that we have to put into play now. Right. And it's one of those where, you know, the will of people is not always a good thing. Right. Right. I, I yeah. certainly don't think, I mean, I, I don't, inherently disagree with electoral college i was like eh, it serves a purpose <laughs> right. Yeah. right which i mean well, that goes back to tacitus who said uh, just because it is popular uh no that's not what he said tacitus said uh, uh something is not necessarily right merely because the public thinks it's right so. and howard um howard cosell had something similar i think it was uh, I, I can't recall what it was i'm not even gonna try to butcher it right now but you know the thing that to me would strike me as fascist is where okay let's say 50 states you have 36 that for whatever reason don't think the death penalty should be you know uh, established within the confines of their borders and then the federal government just says nah summarily overrules it right right? in that mind that's maybe totalitarian but getting close to fascist of course the nice thing about fascist is that they are always have badass style you got to give them that. Well, they do. Yeah, Hugo Boss made sure of that. Yeah, it's but I mean, dope. I see your point because you know, you have a situation like uh you know, and circling back to movies, you know, the oh, yeah. Tarantino. That's what we're about. Yeah, Tarantino's doing the the Manson Family film that's coming out. But you out. know it won't be a Manson Family movie. Well, no, it'll, it'll it's on the fringes of it, right? Right. But, you know, that was a situation where there were there were four people that got the death penalty mm-hmm. in California for that. Right. And the Supreme Court came down, I think it was 1972. And they they ruled, of course, that it was it was unconstitutional all over the United States, and so everything automatically rolled back to life sentences. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Charles Manson, 
that was because he did not hold yeah, he a didn't, weapon. He didn't literally and, kill anybody. Right. Because of that, all of a sudden, after 25 years, he was up for parole. Right. That, th- that's, which was never granted. Which, right. Which, of course, of but, course I mean, not. That's one of those things that does matter, right? It, yes. So... Yes, you know, and and what's her face? Not not Van Houten um, or Susan Atkins. She passed away, I think. But one of the other other girls is she's up again uh, for for parole. She's every two years now. Right, and she, you know under the parameters of that law, she probably should be. It's kind of weird to me, but okay, you're up. Doesn't mean you guaranteed get it, right? I don't know. I mean my my feelings on that stuff is you know I'm a conservative. Right. And I remember listening to this was back in the um, gosh, it was probably the early 90s. And, you know, Rush Limbaugh is certainly not a personality who a high percentage of people say, yeah, that guy makes sense. Yeah. Right. And I don't think I necessarily am one of those guys. But I remember I was listening to an NBA broadcast in the Phoenix Suns. And he was a guest and they were talking to him and they said, you know, oh, yeah, I'm guessing that if you were the guy that, you know, that was in charge of everything, that traveling would be that, you know, something over the top punishment, right? If this player traveled, then the game was over and the other team wins or something like that. He's like, no, I, it's not that at all. I'd, I'd say that if he's traveling, it's a turnover and it would be the other ball's team. I would just call the law exactly how it's written, yeah. right? Which was one of those that to me made sense. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, you may agree or disagree with whatever the regulations or rules are, but accept the fact that, okay, this is what they are. And it's like, just follow the law. And to a certain degree, it's like, I, I think the, you know, death penalty is justifiable in some circumstances and probably I, I think justifiable in my opinion and definition is probably greater than other people's doesn't mean I'm right, but it's one of those where, you know, okay, California, they don't have it. And if you're eligible for parole, well, then I guess you should probably, be eligible. Yeah, but it, I mean, to me, it wasn't the will of the people for the Manson family to, to have parole. It was the will of the people in California for the Manson family to die. Right. And, I, and I, that I, was subverted by a Supreme Court that lived 3,000 miles away. Yeah. That's yeah. what I have a problem with. Yeah, but it's also, that's part of the reason the Supreme Court is what they are, right? To protect the rights of the minority. That well, I That's what I not, look at the Supreme Court as, to make sure that the Constitution is, is being upheld. Is upheld Consistently. Uh, yes. And and the reason to implement the will of the majority without trampling on the rights of the minority. Well, I mean, do you, I, I don't think they should be. Wow, we're going well. We topic, are. Yeah. But it's also one of those. So I don't think that's the nice thing in a, you know, in a perfect world that the Supreme Court is set up for is that the will of the people is irrelevant. Right. And I think that's yes. kind of important because the legislature and the executive are set up for the will of the people. You see, you yes. have one that's a complete disinterested third party, at least, at least in theory. Least right. Do, yeah. Right. And we all know. And they were not. until about 60 years ago. Well, they probably think. weren't then either. Right. Well, not along the same lines. Well, even yeah. you and I don't know that. At least you may have a better idea because of your background in history. And I don't. But I'm also a big believer in that things are probably not all that different now than they were. 50 years ago, 60 years, 500 years ago, whatever, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, we've talked about this in the past with major calamities and catastrophes. The perception right now to a lot of people is that it's much more common than it ever was. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's accurate. 
is one of those no. we just find out about it a lot yeah, quicker. You find out about it now. There's that. There's also, you know... And then you get bombarded because there's always been a lot of large yeah. problems. Well, I, I saw I saw this this guy on YouTube post this video. He was a college professor, and I wish I could find it, and I wish I could cite it exactly from memory, but it, it, would, it showed uh, the unnatural... Uh, death causes of a natural death in the 20th century. Okay, and of course, like it peaked in 1945. Well, sure. Well, actually, I'm kind of surprised. I would have figured it would have been in the uh, when was influenza 19 1919. Yeah, that right. was a that was a big. That's bump. what I would have thought would have been that was one. a big bump. But I mean, the Second World War. Sure. I mean, sure. Was like 165 million people or something like that. Yeah, but no. what was influenza? Well, 1919 was a was it. It was, was it, it, was, it was in the millions. Or twenty percent of the human population at the time. I don't think I mean, it was that high. I think it was. Crazy... I think it passed the double digit mark. No, Look it up on the Google. What the fuck are we going to use the internet for? Oh, good point. Oh, I know that there's. I mean, it's a crazy percentage. The estimates. Did it go up in the last twenty years? Maybe they've done some reassessments. Okay, so continue on while you. Yeah. We'll fix it in post. Okay, that is that. That should almost be the name of the podcast. We'll fix it in post. Okay. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Deadliest in history. In- infected 500 million, about one-third of the planet's population, killed 20 to 50 million victims. Okay. 20 to 50 million victims. So what was it? That, oh, my God. I mean, how many? 500 million, so a, a third was infected? Yeah. I mean, it was a, it's a crazy number. That's obviously not how many who died based on that. But... Regardless, that's not the point, right? The point was there was this huge spike well, in World 50, War II. 50 million victims. That's a lot. <laughs> 675,000 Americans. Yeah. That's more than died in the Second World War yeah. on the American side. Yeah. Right? So, or the British for that matter. Of course, we weren't invaded. Well, no. But, but anyway, so the, so the... the but your point was... My, my point was that the, the scale peaked... In 1945, right, and there were there were small bumps sure. since then. Uh, the Vietnam War, which actually, because it spread over seven years, right, wasn't actually that dramatic. I would assume the Vietnam War is there's like no bump from the global perspective. Uh, well, from from the Vietnamese side, it was like three and a half million Vietnamese of some nationality. Yeah, and but 58, compared, Americans. compared to the purges and stuff. Oh, I know. Yes. Nothing. Oh, yeah. The purges in the fifties. That mean, was the only nothing. reason it was high in the fifties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All all of that and, uh, but then like when when it hits like nineteen after the Khmer Rouge, like after it hits like nineteen eighty, okay. it's small anyway. Like once sure. it hits nineteen forty seven, like yeah. it's really really really, yeah. really small. And then, like eighty, it like dro- drops off to almost nothing. Yeah. And then, then after that, it's not even armed conflict. Oh yeah, it's it's just uh, car crashes. Right, and, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we we indisputably live in the best time to ever be alive. Yes, I mean, but we act like the world right, is going to end. Right, and we, that is very true. So, speaking of movie sequels, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so so we need to. What was the last one we were hung up on? Like the Godfather Part Two. Godfather Part Two, right? And so just, just movie sequels in general, right? right? So in mean, yeah, and so we were talking about Canby and and Ebert. Of course, this is the, the nice thing that I liked about Ebert. And you can, by the way, all of his stuff, every single review the man ever wrote is at his website, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is it the great movies? I think is his subsection within there. 
Oh, I haven't been to the subsection. I just the search. Well, he's he's got a really good, um, and I may be mistaken on the terminology. I think it's the great movies, but I'm not sure. He, I mean, he's got a collection of probably 270 movies or something. That he's mm-hmm. the great movies, which are all three or four stars, or maybe oh, which four stars. Which he thinks everybody right. should. And they are, you know, you look at him, you go, yeah, that's that's phenomenal. Yeah. But go on. I'm, I yeah, that's okay. It. So uh, anyway, like he, Ebert did an amazing thing, which was he. Uh, he wrote an initial review, but if he ever saw the movie later, yeah, he'd revise. he would revise it right. and, and then he would put it out under a different date. Right. So you could read the old one and read the new one. And that's one of those that I, I, I think that was yeah, very smart of him. Right. Mm-hmm. And something like Pauline Kelly saying she never redid something. Right. You can't reevaluate your own perspective, which you kind of need to do growing up as a human. Right. My, now, my, my opinion of the Terminator is, Completely different when I was a kid. And it's probably going to change three more times. It probably Maybe is. Maybe once. It's hard I mean, to say. Peter Peter Bogdanovich was on the Dick Cavett show like thirty years ago or whatever. <laughs> the fuck that Dick Everybody Cavett was on the Dick Cavett Everybody show. Everybody was on the Dick but Cavett. But what a great show it was! <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was a great show. Why isn't it on anymore? Because nobody watched it. Yeah. So anyway, he went on, and I think it was after the last picture show hit, and he's on with like uh, you can find this on YouTube. He's on with Mel Brooks. Okay. Who was pushing Blazing Saddles at the same time? So keep that in your mind. Like the same, the same theater, Blazing Saddles and the Last Picture Show are playing. Right. That's that's kind of weird to me. It's well, it's not that weird. Uh, you know, I don't think it's that weird, really, because I mean, right now it's kind of a unusual time in movies, right? In that the only things the that are in theaters are the huge, you know, guaranteed blockbusters right and that makes sense i don't particularly like it but i understand why it is but if you go back in the late 90s you had a just this huge shotgun approach they would throw everything up there i mean the uh, movies of 90 i think it's 99 is that right 99 was a tremendous yeah, it's, year it's, it's really people are going to look back at it and maybe they won't but i'll look back at it you know is one of those great movies where the spread and scope and different things that were presented as popular entertainment is real divergent right it's like oh that's not nothing like this but it was still out there at the same time yeah i'm not a fan of 90s cinema now having said that but it's it's one of these situations you know when you're making 200 movies a year you're bound to make a percentage that i like you're gonna make 20 that are good yeah Yeah. and people and every time i say that people are like Fuck you, Pulp Fiction came out in '94, and I'm like, I'm not saying Pulp right. Fiction is bad. Yeah. It's in the '90s. I'm <laughs> just saying, like, as a body, as a decade, it's very broad. Yeah, like yeah. I didn't, I didn't really jump in until '99. Yeah, and and uh, the '80s to me just seemed like uh, there was there was so much shit getting done, and I think it was a weird time because the studio system had failed, the auteurs had taken over, and Heaven's Gate had collapsed the auteurs. And the junk bond companies took over the studios mm-hmm. and it was kind of like a, a, a repeat of before of, we don't know what's going to happen. So we're just going to throw money at everything. Right. It's kind of like what happened in the early seventies Yeah, is when they were throwing money at, uh, you yeah. know, Coppola and, and uh, not the Palma. Yeah, just the whole film, Brad Friedkin and people like, I mean, yeah. you, you look at what Friedkin did with the exorcist, like, holy, like that's in the top 20 highest grossing films of all time. The fucking exorcist. Sure. You know, on which, a box office mojo.com. Which, <laughs> <laughs> which right now it's hard to believe, but. Right. But then again, right. you look at it and. But it would not have been in, in, no, unless that, right. that, that system had happened. And I, I see that in, in the 80s. Yeah. And, and when the superhero bubble bursts, which it will. It will. 
it's yeah. going to be, I, I presume it's going to be a very similar thing, mm-hmm. you know, and what's going to be crazy is Hollywood, just like a lot of other industries, you know, they swing wildly and go all in on everything. It's like, cause I'm sure it doesn't make any economic sense to spread it out amongst 50 things. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to make a high, you know, high dollar bet on a few things. Right. But it's from a viewing public, it's not always satisfying. Yeah, and I understand the pressure from Hollywood. You, know, you want to market something that you're familiar with. Oh, yeah. You've had something before. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, totally that just makes, makes common sense. It's yeah. total sense. Yeah, but is that it? does not excuse Jaws for the revenge. This no, it's personal. Nothing excuses that. No. that yeah, Michael Caine, <laughs> you know. That's the greatest line in the film. Also retired. Also retired. Uh, one of the other retired. Michael Caine, Bridget Fonda. Uh, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Sean Connery. And you were saying Albert Finney. Uh, Albert Finney didn't retire. He He, he just passed away. And I misunderstood. Well, that's the ultimate retirement. Yeah, it is. Yeah. He passed away yesterday. Okay. 82. Apparently, he was in uh, quote unquote good health. He just caught like the flu or something. And it it happened in like three days. Because you know how, like, if you're not, I mean, he was older. But if 82. you're not taking care of yourself and you're older, well, and I just said he was in good health, that's contradictory. <laughs> but he was probably one of those things who was, you know, in good health for an 82-year-old. But for, was, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things where if you're 82 and you're smoking cigarettes and you're throwing yeah. back some scotch every night, it's like you're living a wonderful well, life. And Albert Finney, he fucked a lot of women. Like, yeah. he was around, man. Yeah, I, I am sure, I would hope at least, that he looks back on his life with very few regrets yeah. I would imagine so. Like I, I remember he you never was, know. He was pushing uh it wasn't a Bourne film. I think it was Skyfall. Um he had an interview for for Skyfall and oh, somebody brought that's up That's a Okay, go on. Yeah, somebody brought up uh his relationship with Audrey Hepburn cuz you know they had they they were together for like 6 months in 1968 when they were shooting uh Two for the Road and it was a scandal at the time cuz Hepburn was married to um not Jose Ferrer, he divorced. It was William Holden. Okay. And had like two kids by him and everything. And so so then it was, and he had done Tom Jones mm-hmm. and was a huge star. And, and and Hepburn is not one of these, it was kind of like Ingrid Bergman in the 40s where all of a sudden they, they didn't know what to do because they it was this person from Casablanca they didn't want to label as this homewrecker. Right. Right. And not that, I mean. Uh, no, Audrey Hepburn, you certainly don't want to besmirch her. Right. Know. What, like, what, what is that? Like you have a Andrews. label. Yes, yes. You, you have an image. Mm-hmm. How do you square that image with yeah. uh, what the celebrity has done on the side? Yeah. They, we don't want them to be real people. We want them to be <laughs> a consistent right. commodity. When in the end, it just sort of, so what? Like Audrey Hepburn and Albert Finney had a thing. So so what? Like in the grand yeah, scheme but, of things, why does that matter? Uh, it, we, don't, it just, we don't get it into it. It just does, though. I mean... I know people that won't go see a George Clooney movie what? because of his political statements in the past. Why? Because he's left. Well, yeah, and I don't necessarily agree with it because I'm, yeah, I'm certainly not perfect, right? I can't separate an artist from their, yeah, you know, their. I can't separate the art from the artist all the time, right? But it is one of those things where that's not uncommon, and it actually makes a certain degree of sense because. The reason a lot of these people are hugely popular is because it's not because they're beautiful or they're good at their craft. It's because they're those things. Plus, the consumer can say, oh, I kind of 
relate to this human for whatever it is. Yeah. Right? I don't... Um, you probably don't... I see what you're saying, and I... Maybe there's some truth... There, There is. I just... I don't know. I don't want it to turn into those, you know, some of my best friends are Democrats type of conversation, well, yeah. but... None I, of my friends I don't, are Democrats. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have a problem with Democrats. I don't have a problem with... I'm, I, I don't do. really consider myself a Republican anymore. No, I uh, the past Well, who two does? Years, who can? Right? Who's reasonable nowadays? Right. I'm Unless I'm part of that 10% who's disaffected and is upset. But, but they're probably not Republicans. They're something different. Right. Whatever that is. Right. But whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't hold it against... It, to me, it's the intent, what? right? George George Clooney and his politics, and and, and the, he could be an ex. It could be any Hollywood person on the left or the right, for that matter. Clint sure. Eastwood. What is the intent of their politics to make right. the world a better place? Well, then, then I'm in. I'm not. I'm not going to boycott your movie because you want to make the world a better place. No. Yeah. I mean, even if I don't necessarily agree with your way of getting there, right? Your ultimate objective. Okay, that aligns fine. But it's also one of those things where the biggest stars. Now, I think about it. You know, they're they're likable people. Mm-hmm. Right. Harrison Ford is a, as far as I can tell, a jerk. Oh, yeah. A he's got that jerk. reputation. Yes. But, you know, you watch him, in, you watch him on, TV, on, on the film, it's like, oh, man, that guy is, he's freaking cool. Yeah. Right. And he doesn't do anything that, from a public perspective, really fucks up his public image. Right. But if you went out there and did something just totally outside. Whatever. Well, yeah, like Justin Bieber does, like punching fans right. and, and bullshit he, like that. I may love his music. I don't. But if I did, I, it's like, yeah, that guy's an a-hole. Yeah. Well, the same, you know, uh, Axl Rose. A-hole. A total ass. And of course, I do like his music. Okay. And so uh, my perspective. wore a shirt back on the GNR Lies tour uh, that had a can of aerosol spray and it said AIDS kills fags dead on the right. t-shirt and even then what a year was that 90 91 or something I was not the most aware person sure. in the world and probably didn't have any friends who were gay but I just thought that is so fucking wrong it's like that's pretty fucked up that is over the edge wrong right. and yet I you still st- bought the album you still bought DNR Lies cause, yeah because it's a bitchin album it's a, actually a pretty good album yeah. it really is uh, I don't know. It's a it's a decent follow up to Appetite for Destruction, which is still my favorite GNR album. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm not the no, Use Your no. Illusion. No, I mean I think crowd. Use Your Illusion, if it was one record, would definitely be the best GNR record. Uh, if they right. if, in, if it was a single fourteen track album, it would be the best. But it's not. Like they say that the the White Album should have been. That's what I've heard. I don't. I don't yeah, I, you might be. You know, a Beatlemaniac, yeah. potentially. Kind of like Nick Cage and well, the I, Rock. Which yeah, they, I mean, I am a total Beatle maniac. I mean, that's my favorite scene in The Rock. It's when Nick Cage holds up that vinyl. To you, it's yeah. totally reasonable. Right. The rest of us were like, oh, black job. Well, the entire time, I see, I remember watching that in the theater, and he said, you know, these sound better. And I'm thinking, he fucking plays that thing? <laughs> I don't want... Nobody should be playing an original with the Beatles from 1964. No. What? Nobody should be playing it. No, you're wrong. It's a you're piece wrong. of art. belongs in the museum. No, no, no. I'm going to pull wrong. the you're Indiana. Wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. If you own it, right, that's the objective of owning it. It's like the people who buy the f- perfect wine. Then the he should have is two. to drink it. Yeah, that's fine. If you can afford <laughs> two, right, but if you can only afford one, enjoy life. Unless you're, you know, Shirley McLean and you're going to come back, you know, rewind multiple times on this planet, mm. you're only here once. You might as well listen to it and enjoy it. Yeah. 
That's why you got it. Uh, see, that's that's another thing. The, the, the conflict of the stars or whatever we call the cosmos. Uh, I can't stand Shirley MacLaine. No. But I'm a huge believer in reincarnation. Oh, you are? <laughs> yes. That's one of those things I don't think we've ever talked about. Yeah. Are you a big believer in reincarnation? I don't know. It just makes sense to it me. It just works for you? It just works for me. Okay. I, I'm a non, um, I'm a non-practicing Hindu. Uh, just like I was when I grew up, I was a non-practicing Catholic. Right. I just feel better about it. Yeah, no, you know, I don't fine. go to temple. I don't go to temple, and I, right. and I will never say that I am down with everything that the Hindus do or think or feel or pray about or whatever. But it, it was just like when I was raised Catholic. I didn't know anything about Catholicism, but right. I went on Sunday. And could I could I do or think but, or feel everything that Catholics do? No, right. no. I mean, what in your perspective is? the thing about reincarnation that you find attractive. I'm just curious. Oh, no, it's it's definitely the 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 idea that uh, when you're dead, it's not over, but it's not an afterlife. Well, so to me, like an afterlife is a, a package to sell people. Well, so is reincarnation. Uh, it is, but it's just, man, it, I dig it. I, I, think, uh, I think that makes sense. I think it explains a lot about my personality and, yeah, and things in my life yeah. where... And not because I'm just a history nut. Okay, but. so the number of um, organic beings, yeah, on the planet, you know, it, it's increasing it's, exponentially. Yeah, it's not a net zero, right? I mean, yeah, we're unfortunately losing several species every, right. but I mean, it's one of those that overall the vast number. So, if from the reincarnation perspective, yeah, is it one of those things where you pass away and you have a choice to go back and rewind it? Oh uh, well, no, that would be Buddhism. Okay. Well, yeah. So the, I mean, if you in Buddhism, so, you. Uh, so you, are the are the new beings new souls? That's a good question. I mean, a soul to me is just energy. Okay. Okay. I mean, we we have energy that makes us move, just like there's energy that makes this laptop happen or grass to grow, right? And car to drive. And right. the energy moves from one place to another. It's just transfers. Okay. So to me, it's just you know, if a if a body is born, it, it, you know, how do you create energy, or or did it transfer some, from somewhere else? Right. Do you create it, or do, can you destroy energy? According to physics, no. According to physics, no. And and but as you far can't, as we know, you that's can't, right. Right. And you can't create energy. You basically transfer it from a previous source. Coal right. has potential energy yeah. in it, which you release and. Blah blah blah, and same with gasoline, same with solar power, same with you know nuclear energy, you know. Right, name it. and yeah, I don't want to get into a prime mover conversation in Aristotle and all that. No, I'm was, just you know I'm just you know it's not one of those things where I, I disagree. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's like for me, reincarnation is one of those things where I wouldn't want to necessarily redo something without the previous experience being available, right? Yeah. So if there are more individuals that conceptually have souls, for lack of a better term, on my end, it's like, why... Okay. You know, why are they increasing? Well, not necessarily why are they increasing, but I, I don't understand necessarily the appeal, you know, because if, if it's a greater number, presumably there's a choice, right? It's like there's oh. some kind of variability. Yeah, I, I don't think that there is a choice. I don't think the cosmos works that way. Okay, so it's an endless loop. Yeah. And then individuals, the only way that would work based on the conversation in my brain right now is that, okay, individuals split, right? What once was one is now two or three or seven. Yeah, I don't think that's the case either. Okay, then 
I think that my my soul <laughs> in in the next life is going to oh. be the same soul. It's just going to lose a lot of uh, texture. Like, lose, or, like, lose or gain. I would think the gain is going to lose you want. lose some texture. For instance, I'm, it's not going to carry over the memories. Okay. It might have like a a shadow of what it might have been, which would conceptually influence your decision making in the next go round. Right. Hmm. Right. And 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 the karma is wrapped up into that. Gotcha. Right. And and I do believe that instant karma is a real thing. I just don't think that it's it's a cosmos thing. Like instant karma, just you know, if if you drive like a dick, you're going to get an accident. Yeah, it's just that you know, that's yeah. just going to happen. Yeah. Um, right. So I, I think that karma over lifetimes work. Like if you know, if I'm a if I'm a good person now, not only do I get the rewards in this life, I will get the rewards in the next one. Hmm. But at the same time, that doesn't you know, the whole job thing, you know that that plays in too. You can treat someone like shit right. their whole life, and they can be a good person, and then and then they have a, a bad life. Yeah. That happened for millennia to most of the people. Yeah, you know, what did Hobbes say, right? Hobbes said that uh, life for 99 out of 100 people was nasty, brutish, and short. Yeah. You know, unless you were born in a mansion, you know, you suck. Which, yeah, it's, it's true. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Until, Even those things are better now instead of, yes. you know, yes. one, it's 1.01 people. Right. <laughs> so, so, anyway, getting back to... So, question. Yes. All right, so... That explains it, actually, why you like the Bond movies so much. That it explains sense. why I like Bond movies? Yeah, because it's, it's the reincarnation it's of reincarnation. Bond. Every... No, so what do you think? I mean, if you put put a percentage on it, how many Bond movies are there? 21? 24? Uh, 24. I think they're on 25 now. Yeah, okay. it's 20. Dr. No from Russia with how Love. How many of them are um, 10 years ago, I would have said all of them. Right. Now... I would say all of them minus the ones over the past 10 years. No, <laughs> I, I'm just curious. Uh, now I would say uh, half of them are, Should are I... spectacular. Okay. And then I would say the the other half are uh, mediocre, mediocre to terrible, mediocre to, well, I'm trying to think of a, a see, I'm a bond fan. I know. That's so I don't, I don't think that there's a terrible Bond. Diamonds Are Forever is pretty terrible. I don't know because there are things in Diamonds Are Forever that make me want to watch it again. Yeah. And th- that's the problem. Like, oh, Moonraker's it's pretty, pretty fucking it's bad. Pretty yeah, that's okay. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. And and terrible. so and you, you need, when you apply that, is there anything in Moonraker that makes me want to watch it again? That's probably no. It's like okay, so that's the one. <laughs> that's the that one definitively that sucks. Okay. Yeah. And and I really I get caught up in. And part of it is the childhood. John Glenn directed like five of those. Okay. And three of them were Roger Moore movies and two of them were uh, uh, Dalton. Dalton movies. And uh, that's, well, the first Dalton movie was pretty bad too. Oh, I like The Living Daylights. Okay. I think that's a great Cold War. Or is it, which one? Okay, how many did he, he do? two or three? He did two. All right, so there was Living Daylights. And License to Kill. I th- okay, License to Kill I remember liking quite a bit. Yeah. Because it was kind of ugly and but my But my problem is, it is, is that they were shot just like John Glenn shot those just like the Moore ones. Yeah. Just like the last three Moors. And so if you, it's almost like a parody. Like when you see things in, in the Dalton films, it's like, it's almost like it's a parody of the Moore films. Right. And, and they're trying to make the character more serious. Yeah. And Dalton was, and it doesn't work because they're using the same filmic techniques, the raise the music, zoom in on the pen, 
then it goes. Audience comes to the conclusion. Jump cut. Right. It fucking happens in like ten every ten times in every John Glenn Bond film, and it really ruins the Daltons. I think. Okay. I and, believe you. And the other one is like you know they should have brought Dalton in like after Moonraker. Probably right before, but yes. yeah, and, and have him done Octopussy and oh, that's terrible too. That, that one's terrible too. <laughs> that one's got awful. That one's worse. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. But the, I will watch Octopussy again because I love the egg. I love the clown outfits. I love the him taking the egg to the the embassy in the beginning. Okay. And the credit sequences are shit. I'll give you that. And and I do get conflicted like Roger Moore in the finale of that movie. He's running around in a clown outfit right. with makeup on. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's supposed to mirror 006 who gets killed in the beginning or 008 or mm. whoever gets killed in the beginning of the film. And you're like, oh, is the same thing going to happen to him? Of and course, of course not. It, it doesn't. But I know a lot of people are like, James Bond is wearing a clown outfit. I, I hate this movie. Yeah, it kind of immediately yeah. makes it just terrible. Yeah, I get that. But at the same time, it's got like the villain from. Uh, 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 Beverly Hills Cop, you know Victor Maitland. Okay, he's I, in he's in Octopussy. I, I believe it. It's been so long. Yeah. I can't. I just remember walking to that movie, just going, "Oh, that was trash." Yeah, that was trash. There's also like I see because I'm pretty convinced that, and this isn't right, right? This is just my snap judgment based on having not seen him in quite a while. There's like four good ones, and I think the rest are trash. Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Um, Doctor No from Russia with Love from Russia with Love. Um, Fear Eyes Only. Oh wow, okay. And a more made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one I think is actually a refreshing change, right? And mm. I really like the poster. And oh, yeah. <laughs> and Carolyn Bouquet. And then I think what was it the first Daniel Craig one? Casino Royale. I Think maybe you didn't, you're not a Craig fan, not particularly. Well, I don't dislike him, I just haven't been that satisfied with the movies, yeah. Right? Um, I didn't see the last one, I admit to that. Mm. Um, the one before I remember sitting in the theater, so hey, it just didn't do it for me. Oh, Spectre, yeah. And Quantum no, no, was, Spectre was the last one, the one before that was Skyfall. Okay, that one I, mm. I, I liked with Harvey not really very much, not very much. And then I did like the, you know, Straw Dogs ending. But, yeah, and was it Quantum of Solace was the second oh, one? shit, I didn't even think about that. And I remember not enjoying that. That was a fucking Straw Dogs ending. Yeah. It is, oh, and it is totally a remake of Straw Dogs. I did not even think about that. Oh, really? They're after his girl. Yeah. It's, it's a, Oh, my God. All of a sudden, you have to recalibrate. <laughs> like, oh, no. Oh, I got to watch it again. Yeah. Why did I think about that? I don't That's, know. Um, I'm kind of surprised it's you didn't. so obvious. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised you didn't. Oh. <laughs> uh, we, so this this goes back to... There was another Connery one I liked a lot, so maybe it's five. Yeah. Which, 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 is, it, which is it? There's Goldfinger from Rush With Love, and what's the other one? Dr. No. Dr. No uh, from Rush With Love, Goldfinger, uh, Thunderball. And, Thunderball, and I like it. Thunderball is terrible, but I like it. It's terrible. Yeah. No. What's the one that I like that's terrible? Um, the space one. You only live twice. Moon, 
That's fucking yeah. god awful, but I like it. Yeah, and I think that won an Oscar for set design. Like Ken, that does mean it's good. From Ken Adam, the legendary <laughs> Ken Adam. And you know Ken Adam, uh, you know, he designed like the the, the room in um, the submarine room in the the spy who loved me when okay. all three submarines are in a huge tanker and that's the 007 soundstage where, mm-hmm. where they've shot a lot of star Wars there actually. Right. Um, Ken Adam, I learned was, um, he was a German Jew who immigrated to Britain in between the outbreak of the war and the invasion of France. So when he got there, he joined the RAF okay. and they trained him as a fighter pilot and he fought, uh, the Luftwaffe during the Second World War, and he was still considered a German citizen. Okay, uh, even though he'd been disavowed by Nazi Germany, they would not have recognized him as a British citizen if they if he had been caught in combat. He would have been immediately shot wherever he was as as a Jew. Right, they would not even have bothered with it, and yet he survived the war. And when he got out, he studied uh, art and design and got into. I think he was working with uh, uh, Powell and Pressburger in the, be- in the very beginning of his career in the 50s, you know, when they had all those mm-hmm. color films. And I don't know if he worked on the Red Shoes or not. but Might have. Uh, but by, <coughs> by the 1960s, I mean, he, I think he's, he got in somehow on, on Eon Productions and he was, he was involved in Thunderball. Mm-hmm. And then uh, You Only Live Twice is like the game, like he designed the, the, the rocket right. crater, right? And just from then, and every once in a while, I'll see his credit on, on he passed away now. I think he was like 92 or something, like 10 years ago. But every once in a while, I'll see his name on a different movie. And I'm like, oh, my God, Ken Adam did this. Like they got everywhere. Yeah, and he trained uh, Peter Lamont and uh, Neil Lamont, who were also, they did a lot of other Bond films after Ken Adam. And then now, you, you, if I looked at the credit for, for those guys, you'd be, oh, yeah, I know that production design on that movie. That's really good. Hmm. Those guys are pretty, pretty amazing. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. The Lamonts. Lamont. Yeah, L A M O N T. Yeah, but they're English. They're not. I'm say it like en that. <laughs> anyway, Anyways. so we're. Are you still good? I'm still good. Okay. I'm just shifting in my seat. Yeah, so. Should we go all the way back to the sequels in The Godfather Part 2? Oh, okay. So what's your favorite sequel then? Godfather Part 2. That's what probably, you no, I don't think that's my favorite. That's the one I kind of look at as. My media ration is the best. Um, I think Aliens is probably my favorite. Oh, favorite, God. great choice. Right, great but choice. From the best standpoint, I, I I have a hard time coming past Godfather Two uh, because I do think that in many regards it surpasses the original. And Aliens, I don't think necessarily surpasses it, but it's one of those things where it's a very effective sequel because it totally shifts the perspective. It doesn't. We're not making another horror movie. We're making an action movie. Right. Right. Where that's oftentimes a really good choice from an entertainment perspective. And that does happen, although I'm kind of blanking on... Well, Cars I mean, The two. Fast and the Furious. Cars 2. Cars 2. Um, I can't believe we're coming up with these things, but yeah. like Fast and the Furious, they're not good movies, right? Well, they're, they've got their own base level of entertainment. But there was The Fast and the Furious, and they're all... You know, street racing movies, and then there was the one in Brazil, which may have been five, seven, ninety-four, thirteen. Yes. I can't remember. <laughs> I but I remember walking out of there, going, "God, that was so much more entertaining <laughs> than I thought." Because they yeah. shifted the perspective. They went from car racing to we're international bank robber, crime stoppers, which is dumb, but it was really entertaining, right? They didn't remake it. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I went to go see the first one. What year was that? Like 2000, 2001 or something? somewhere in that range. And I just remember just like, you know, it's fucking Point Break with Cars. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know. And I like Point Break. And Bill Simmons does a great rewatchables (laughs) on on The Fast and Furious. I think it was out like last month or something. My Mm -hmm. son and I watched it. My son is Fast and the Furious to the nth. Okay. He fucking loves all of them. And th- thinks they're the complete shit, and that's yeah, terrible. <laughs> and he 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 forced me to rewatch them all just so we could go out and see uh, Fate of the Furious, right? Which we saw we saw at uh, you know the big that Star was the Cinema. most recent one, yeah. Okay. And my opinion on them began to change, mm-hmm. um, because I I just saw them as un like you say unbelievably highly entertaining, right? And there were a couple of moments where I was truly captivated. Like when Vin Diesel and uh, Paul Walker are, I don't remember which one it was. But At number 17 yeah. or 45. They're, they're on a car. They're going off the cliff of a canyon. Mm-hmm. And Paul Walker gets up on the back of the trunk with, yeah. his, with his vans. That may have been the same one. I and they sail off. And Vin <laughs> Diesel's holding on to the rim of the convertible window. That was so fun. Dumb. Get amazing, man! It's so dumb, but it so was good. great. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... And so I think the definition. I think we have to argue about what is the definition of a bad movie, right? Because if you're having that experience in a theater, yeah, think, it's not bad. Yeah, I think if you enjoy something that much, it, by definition, it can't be bad. Yeah, right. You can say it's not, you know, important. Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't have to be because they're not. I mean, because. I think I've seen all those movies in the theater. Maybe not, but some percentage. And the only time they're... I mean, I think the only things that are really bad are when they're boring. Right? Yeah. And those movies are oftentimes not boring. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff going on, and they are definitely... Godfather Part 3. I haven't seen that since it came out. And I saw it in the theater. I saw it at the Hollywood Man Chinese, and I haven't seen it since. So what's that? Almost... 30 years, 25? 88, 89, yeah. Yeah, so I need to see it again, but I don't recall it being very good. That's just... Because I know I've never wanted to go back and rewatch it. It's I, it's one of those missed opportunities. I try not to get emotional about it. I get emotional about film. No, But, yeah, I do. I get, I'm passionate about it. But, you know, to think that all of those problems could have been solved by Winona Ryder. Well, and Robert Duvall. And Robert Duvall, yeah. Right, I mean... Yeah. I think if you had Duvall in there... Huge the fuck so- up. Sophia Coppola thing Huge would have fuck been up. Yeah. accepted. Yeah, if Winona Ryder was there and no Robert Duvall, he's like, well, okay, at least she's good. Sophia Coppola, talented filmmaker. That was she's a an terrible performance. Yeah. She's an amazing director. She's <laughs> not her thing. Uh, not, not a particularly good actress. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, and that, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Just Unless you know, you're trying to carry... The third movie of uh, possibly yeah, the most uh, important absolutely. American, yeah. and then it's a problem. Well, you look at Robert Evans. You know, he he knew that he was not a very good actor, yeah. and he really dug the producing thing. And look what he did with it! My yeah. God, Chinatown yeah. alone, Chinatown justifies his existence. Yeah, how many uh, movies was he producer on? I mean, not how many, but what are the highlights? Because it was yeah. Oh, Robert Evans. Yeah, because it worked. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That'll fucking shock you. Let me pull it. Bonnie up. and Clyde. I I don't want to say in case I'm wrong. But I never saw the kid stays in the picture. I never read it. That was pretty good. Oh. 
and knew that Ali McGraw was his gal, but then Steve McQueen fucked it up. Right. Oh, that's a bad picture of them too. And he was a hairdresser. Okay, so you have Chinatown. Yeah. Uh. Well, yeah, The Godfather, Chinatown, Godfather Part Two, Marathon Man, Black Sunday. Okay, well, there's yeah, yeah. Players, Urban Cowboy, Popeye, The Cotton Club, The Two Jakes, which I dearly love. Never seen. Sliver, which I hate. Jade, hate again. The Phantom, which I remember liking it at the time, but I don't even remember it now. The Saint, my wife loves The Saint. The Out-of-Towners and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. It's and actually then... not a... It's not a nearly as good it's as I not, thought. Well, I mean, the highs are as high as you get. Yes. Right. Oh, it's, my God. Like, in four in a row, Godfather Chinatown, Godfather Part Two, Marathon Man. Right, I mean, there you go. I mean, yeah. And the other ones, you know, there's there's flaws to be nice. Yeah. But, ooh, the Phantom. I like Billy Zane, but... <laughs> you know... Um, He's a pretty cool dude, but not good. God, I remember... I was in... I'm constantly referencing on my podcast, like when I was in film school, I was never in film school. Right. I didn't, I didn't go to film school. I took, I took film courses mm-hmm. in a graduate program. Okay. Um, I remember we, we were watching uh, a movie with Tilda Swinton when okay. she was like 20. It was called, uh, I think it was called Orlando. Yeah. That's one where she was, she switches like a gender. Questionable gender. Yeah, there's something. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I know of it. Yeah, she starts as a, a male. Right. Which, I mean, to be honest, it's Tilda Swinton when she's 20. She does not look like a male. No. And she's a very beautiful woman. And then halfway through it, um, she turns into a woman mm-hmm. in this very well-filmed, full-frontal nudity scene, which is kind of shocking to watch in college in front of with like 50 people. Right. You know, uh, no problem in the theater with 300, but you know, in a setting like that is a bit different. Right. If you're, if you're surrounded by a bunch of people that you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then she's, she's going, so Billy Zane pops up as this muscular lover boy. And I could not like, I, I law, I got off the train at that point. Right. I could see where I, that would happen. And it may have been because of the Phantom. It, it may have been. Or Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. And it's unwatchable. But I really enjoy that. Well, I mean, to me, like or, think... or Orlando is unwatchable. I have no interest in... in ever seeing it again. No. I mean, <laughs> Tilda Swinton is nude in it. And I'm not interested in watching that movie. That should say something about the story, about the structure, about the narrative, about, you know... Right. But that, that's just me. Somebody or your, else... Or your feelings on, you know, Billy Zane. Or my feelings on Billy Zane. Which but... are much stronger than my feelings on Tilda Swinton. Apparently. Although you're... I, I, st- I mean, you're I wrong. mean, I don't, I don't care to... Like, he's in Titanic, isn't he? He is. I, I don't. That might be one of the reasons why I don't care for Titanic. Maybe why you don't like Zoolander, which. Oh again, my again, God, you're wrong. man. Had to fucking bring that up. Dude, you're wrong. Oh, you're man. wrong. You just are. Zoolander, you talk about a, a bad movie. That's not it. No. Zoolander 2 is. Oh, I never saw Zoolander 2. Well, that one, you're not missing much. Zoolander 1, amazing. Uh, it's a darn shame. So you're saying that in your film collection, uh-huh. 
I don't actually own it on DVD. Okay. I would, but I'm But like, if, if you had a shelf with all of your... Oh, Zoolander would be there. Zoolander, right next to Z by Costa Gavros? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Zoolander's probably one of the my top ten favorite comedies. I'm not going to sit there and say it's the best, but it might be. But that one brings joy to my heart, and I'm kind of surprised you just despise it. What is this, I am a at a loss. I am at a loss for words. Yeah, we're gonna have to watch it again. No. Yeah, you're missing I out. I fucking refuse. Well, to watch Zoolander again. <sighs> okay, so back into uh, sequels. Yes. Because because we are in the you know we all know we talked about the marketability of them and the sequels are X and the sequels are Y. Uh, the Marvel Universe is not necessarily sequels. They're all interconnected. Right. Some of them are direct. Some of them and not some so of them much. Are, right. And and even like the Captain America movies, I mean, I mean, Captain they, America 1, 2, and 3 are not, not sequels. Not in the traditional sense, that's for sure. Right. And even like Thor and then the Dark World and then Ragnarok, they, they're not traditionally descended from one right. another either. Uh, but Marvel seems to be repeating what a lot of film companies did say in the thirties and forties where they put out a lot of interconnected movies, particularly Warner brothers, right? Interconnected movies with uh, sometimes the same character and plot points that, uh, that were very successful, but uh, a lot of people seem to be kind of lost on it. Like, uh, what I mean by that is like Peter Bogdanovich did an interview a couple of, a couple of years ago, and I think it was with, uh, the empire podcast. Mm -hmm. And he, he basically said like, I just don't get it. Like I, you know, people like them, but I, I'm not one of them. Like I, I don't understand why people like the MCU. I don't know why people, I don't, that I don't understand. I understand where if you don't like it, but I don't know how you could say you don't understand why people do. Right. Cause I mean, it's essentially. Weird. I mean, to him, it was just... The, it's the 1930s serialized, right? Right, I mean, right. And, well, I mean, that's probably not 100% accurate, but it is one of those things where, from a broadly entertaining standpoint, it makes sense. I don't really like a lot of pop music that I hear, but I understand why people do like it. Well, I, I mean, that's a separate conversation. Like, well, pop it, music the past 20 years is shit. It, like, it, it is just, it, it is bad. For the most part, I agree with you. It's terrible, but I understand why people like it. I understand why people, you know, I mean, whoever those people are, why they would like, you know, Justin Bieber. I don't, but I understand why people would, right? It's catchy. You know, it's got a very shallow, but, you know, good groove. I mean, it's not funky from a... You know, a James Brown Parliament Funkadelic perspective, but you know, whatever. I I, I can see why in pop culture it would be. Inter- why is McDonald's popular? I know why. It's because cons- it tastes good. Well, good or not, it's consistent. Oh, you know what you're gonna get. Yeah. You know, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Some people would say it was the worst food they've ever eaten. I understand that, but also I can understand why people would go there once, twice three times a week, whatever. I know what I'm getting. I like it. And yeah, every time it's good. So like I said, it may not be my thing. The Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of is, but I can understand why Peter Bondanovich wouldn't like it, but I don't know why you could say, I don't get why people understand it or why they like it. That doesn't make any sense to me. 
You're just not trying. Yeah. You know, um, Tyler Perry movies. Exceptionally popular. Yeah. Not hey, my I'm, thing. Yeah, I'm not a fan of them, but yeah. man. I, I you know, get it. Yeah. Have you seen, uh, I hate to bring them up so often, but have you seen Cop Out? No, with, I've not seen that one. I know what it is, okay, but yeah, I've not seen it. With uh, uh, Tracy Morgan, Tracy Bruce Morgan and Bruce Willis. Kevin Smith directed it. Okay, so I got to tell you, like I, I heard about it. I heard about the great tragedy. I decided to go ahead and rent it. I watched it. I was not a fan. It's got to be terrible. I was, I was just not a fan. Right. And you know, of course, he talks incessantly about Smith does mm. about the problems making the film and how it, it was a dream that was crushed. Like he actually saw himself during production. Like I could be that guy. Right. I could be that Hollywood director who takes a script and turns it into gold. Sure. I could, and it just didn't happen. I watched it a second time five years later. And my perspective on it changed. Like I can see how, if you like Tracy Morgan, mm -hmm. that is your fucking movie. I don't doubt it. That is. Did you get anybody pregnant? <laughs> Sorry. I, I just, I saw something I didn't see the first time, which was hit Tracy Morgan's uh, star power. Sure. His performance power. And it actually reminded me the last time I, it reminded me a lot of uh, not to stay in the same color, but Eddie Murphy. It was just natural on screen. Right. Last time I saw it was like Kevin Hart, again, not to stay in color, but well, Kevin mean, Hart was in uh, the movie with uh, Brian Cranston recently. Yeah, I didn't see uh, I know the, what you the, speak of. Yeah, the good the good side. No. And he just complete natural. Uh, Tracy Morgan to me is, he's the same dude as Will Ferrell. Yes. And I, I like Will Ferrell. Yeah. I understand why people don't. Yeah. But there's a high percentage of the stuff I like. A high percentage of the stuff that Tracy Morgan does, I like. It's the same guy. But I can see where you wouldn't like it at all. And it's unwatchable, for sure. Yeah. Except for, the you know, Will Ferrell's part in Zoolander, which is objectively oh, phenomenal. fucking A. We're going to have to watch it. I mean, you're just wrong. <laughs> is it on voodoo? I'm sure it is. It can't be. Why would it not be? Everything is. <laughs> Shit. No, you're wrong. You've watched it with the wrong people. Oh God! It's probably not in your movies, though. No, no, it's not. I'm gonna have to search for it. Split is already on. Unbreakable. Now well, that's well, that though that sequel is out. Right. I, uh, I, Glass. I saw it with Luke. Yeah, and you were saying not all that phenomenal. No, no. It's, particularly the ending was very lackluster. Yeah, there it is. Oh shit! It is here. <laughs> you can own it for thirteen ninety nine. Oh, I wouldn't pay thirteen ninety nine for. I can't believe that you don't have voodoo, man. I just don't. I, I got to tell you, I, I love it. So here's here's my... Uh, do they have free stuff or is it all purchased? They do have free stuff. So we watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers 1978 for free. Okay. And you, know, you watch an ad every 45 minutes or something. Oh, okay. It's perfect. It's just like TV. You go it's, out and take a leak and grab like a TV. beer and yeah. come back. And, you know, no, I mean, that was... And so these, I've got... Come on. Here it is. I've got 85 titles, and most of these are DVDs that I purchased, and it comes with a code, and I just enter the code, and, and I get the film. Okay. You know, and then I, I'm constantly checking for uh, for deals. Okay. Right. So they uh, if you go to movies here, 
it'll have. Uh, deals and it'll have uh, anthologies sale so here's the proposal if you want this piece of shit with Sandra right. Bullock and Ryan Reynolds it's $9.99 Once Upon a Deadpool is on here $14.96 I never saw that yeah neither did I but oh my god did you see First Man um, I did not. Oh, brilliant movie. Oh, uh, I don't doubt it. Brilliant movie. I didn't see it. And I know that we, you know, we live in Space City. We're more attuned to. Sure. I probably, right? I, I think I wanted, I, I know I wanted to see it, but I just don't get it up that. I was, I was really shocked. I was not expecting it to. I've never to seen that. A, I've never seen a Damien Cazell movie. Although I've been interested in every single one of his. This was another good one. Luke and I went to go see Peppermint in the theater. Did you see a... That was psycho. That was like if Punisher was a chick. Right. Did you see... It was unreal. Upgrade? No, I heard it was good. Yeah, I haven't yeah? seen it, but I've heard it's amazing. Yeah, everybody's saying that. It's like, yeah, I watch that. Yeah, I love Peppermint. I, I, assume, I like Jennifer Garner. I assume everybody's turned off the podcast at this point. Well, the, you, know, that's, you know, that's why there's a pause button, my friend. Oh, good okay, point. so here, like the Fast and the Furious bundle. Own them all for thirty seven ninety nine. Forty bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just not familiar with the. Uh, I wanted to see that. What the uh, El Royale? Yeah, I wanted to see that. Yeah, Luke and I saw that. So that's that's one of those movies. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but hey, did you see the Ballad of Buster Scruggs? No, I haven't seen that. That's on okay. the Netflix, you, right? But, yeah, but, you, but you saw the Coen Brothers. Yeah, so you saw uh, No Country for Old Men. Yeah, of course. Okay, so, you know, a lot like the Coen Brothers. Like, you, you know, at the end of No Culture, Country for Old Men, you, you knew there was a point. Yeah, you knew they were trying to tell you something. And the Ballad of Buster Scruggs is, is a it's a series of really, really dark stories mm-hmm. that have a point they're trying to make. And they get darker as they go. Oh, nice. And... I had a I had a sense when I was watching Bad Times at El Royale. I am missing the point. <laughs> <laughs> like I, and like I, it's there, but I don't like get it. It is there, and I'm not saying that it's 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 bad on the filmmakers' point right. that I missed it. I just as a viewer, didn't I didn't get. And that's that's not that's not on the filmmakers. That's might be it. I, I don't know, but I I really felt like searching. While I was in the theater, I'm like, like I, I put my phone away and I don't touch my phone while I'm in a theater. Right. And I, I chastise and whip people and report them when I see somebody do that. <laughs> you know, and Luke is not allowed to have his phone out when we're in a theater. Like sure. that's just fucking insane. That's just stepping over that yeah. bound. Right. And I know you went like ten years without being able to finish a movie in a theater because of that's true, your of work, work situation. That was yeah. The job. Yeah. It um, was very annoying. But yeah. Yeah. But I felt like whipping it out and going, what does Bad times at El Real mean. No, I wanted. I'm sure I'll see it, but haven't seen. Oh, Happy Death Day. That's yeah more entertaining than it should be. I want to see Old Man and a Gun. I'm a Robert Redford fan. I'm still. Eh, I get taken more again. Like you know, we were talking about separating the personal from the political. Right. I can do that very easily. I don't. I don't harbor any ill will towards anyone who, who thinks that, that they we can create a better society or a better country or a better world through our individual actions or the way that we vote. Uh, what I will, like you were saying, when it comes to personal actions, right? I think those are much more damning 
but I tend to I try to be as non-judgmental as I possibly can and not throw a, a brick or point a finger because I could be just as easily pointed my way. Sure. So I'm I'm not interested in having that golden rule applied to me, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah, so probably on my ass. So bringing that back to uh, the sequels. Su- yeah, well, the sequels uh, super <laughs> to the Super Seventy. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite political film? Um, favorite political film. How um, how are I, we defining political? Well, I mentioned Z before, right? Which I love, and I've never seen, so I don't have an opinion. Yeah, uh, or the Battle of Algiers, which mm-hmm. my cousin, my my cousin that was in the military, told me that it was it was required watching in West Point, which makes sense when he was there. Um, so from, from political, we mean truly political. True. Yeah. Truly. Now, and it's kind of strange because I'm a right of center guy. I I am not, uh, any means an extremist. No. Well, at least you don't don't think you are. Trump. But, uh, you know, I love Z. I love the battle of Algiers and, um, I I think, I get the point, you know. I think I think my favorite political movie, at least as it says right this second, is Natural Born Killers. As that's a political movie. Yeah. NBK, really. I think it is. How is well, I saw that more of a social Is there a difference? Phenomenon. I think there's a difference. Okay. Well, I mean, like, I mean, for instance, like Z is about a a, a socialist politician I mean, who gets I mean, killed about... for his political beliefs, and the Battle of Algiers is about the struggle for uh, Algerian independence against uh, the French right. And... Right, and I don't know if I mean, I, I don't know if um, political inherently means governmental, right? No, no. There's a difference between a government thriller and a right. political thriller, and. You know, To Kill a Mockingbird, is that a political story? Mm, yes and no? No. But it took me a while to get to that conclusion. Yeah, I don't know if it is or not. I, I'm asking a serious question. Or The Lost Honor of Katharina Bloom mm-hmm. by uh, Von Trotta. I don't know if you've seen... <laughs> not seen it. That, you know, that's about a woman who uh, falls in love with a terrorist. Mm-hmm. And she's very, very apolitical. It takes place in West Germany. Right. You know, in 1970-something. This is when terrorism was big in in West Germany. When it was all the rage. When it was all the rage. When the RAF was going around, or the Bad Reinhof gang. Right. And uh, they were... It, it's 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 about how she falls in love with the terrorist in the beginning of the film. She's a very apolitical person. He's a very political person. Mm-hmm. By the end of the film, she becomes political... But not because of the terrorist. It's because the way the state treats her trying right. to get to him. Right. Uh, which is to throw every fucking rights book out the window. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, because you know this man, you forfeited yeah, all of so your human a, rights. It's how a government turns an individual against itself. Yes. But... So that to me is a political film. October is a political film. October, October. October. By Sergei Eisenstein. Yeah. Uh, Three Days of the Condor. Uh, see, that's, it's so people thriller. think that it's a political thriller, but I that to me is like a... a JFK, is that a political... JFK is a political, yes. It's a political thriller. The is it a Parallax movie, View. Oh my God, have you seen The Parallax View? I don't think I have. But the thing about JFK, is it a political movie or is it a political, or is it a political thriller? 
Because it's not really a political movie, right? No, it's a political thriller. Yeah, but it's not. It's not a political political movie. Not a political movie. No, and it's also loaded with a lot of bullshit. It is, but I mean, just from the story perspective, right? He isn't necessarily championing any sort of ideology that I can remember. In that film, no, he seems to be more. uh, In the final scene with with Costner, he seems to be uh, touting. Truth, his right. version of truth, um, anti-fascism. Because mm-hmm. I mean, he literally says uh, he describes the U.S. <laughs> government as fascist right. in the speech, and and what could have been America if this had not happened. That those are the three things I remember from his right. closing argument. And, and it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I, I don't honestly know. I own it, and I haven't. I don't yeah. think I've watched it when I bought it. Right, it's but it's one of those that um, one day I'll come back and revisit it. So yeah. I'm trying to think of. Well, that's another thing. I love Oliver Stone. Like I, I think he's a fantastic filmmaker. I don't believe in his bullshit, but yeah, I, I think he's, he's very talented. Good. Yeah, he's very talented. Yeah, and, and he, I, I mean, think Salvador. Like he shot. I don't remember if he shot Salvador. If he wrote the script, well, he wrote the screenplay for Scarface. Right, right. Yeah, is in that's a political think, movie. Yes, that is. Not a it thriller. It is yes and no, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It's really hard for me to... I'm having a hard time grasping what a political th- thriller is. Usually, in my mind, a pol- or a political movie, rather, is one that's championing an ideology, right? That's usually the way I think. Right. Of it. Oh, okay, okay. And well, an ideology is a, is a perspective that affects a lot of people. Well, I see what you're saying, but, I mean, I don't... Triumph of the Will, mm-hmm. as great as it is. It's a propaganda piece. It's Right. It's a political movie. It is. But that's sure. not really what I... And believe it or not, as anti-fascist as I am... Mm-hmm. I, you like their fascist. I like Triumph of the Will. Right. Well, it doesn't mean it's... In the correct context. Yeah, it... Stahl was a very effective filmmaker. Sure. So what are some... What are some political movies? Well, you know, I remember when I was in college and I was with the movie club and uh, I was not heading them. I was not the head of the club. I was just an officer yeah. and I got outvoted and we watched uh, Bowling for Columbine. That's definitely that, a political movie. That was the, that's the biggest piece of shit I have ever seen called a documentary about anything. Right, but I mean, that's definitely a pol- political movie. It yes. Was, it was... It was championing an ideology. Right. right? It was, yeah. It, but at the same time, this is the messed up world that we live in or the messed up people we are. I love Roger and Me. Sure. I think it's a great film. It, it's one of those things, yeah. I mean, why Why not? Yeah. Right? I mean, you like that, this, you like that, you don't like this, you don't like that, you don't agree. I mean, we're not supposed to agree with everything or no. disagree with everything. No. Right? I don't particularly think that... I'd want to hang out with Spike Lee on a day-to-day basis, but there's a lot of movies of his I like quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, he's great. And there great. are some that I don't yeah. like at all, right? Awesome. I mean, I think that Do the Right Thing is a very political movie, and I do enjoy it the is. movie that's quite good. a bit. That's a good film. Right, and it's, you know... It's, I didn't it doesn't, care for it, Clockers. I thought Clockers was okay, but it's also one of those things where, you know, some of those things, I don't necessarily think that they represent my personal perspective, but doesn't mean I inherently dismiss them as ridiculous. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. But, I mean, I'm trying to think of going back to your original question. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What's my favorite political movie? <laughs> and if I'm defining it as trying to 
forward an idea or an ideology that you want the people to consider their perspective on, which is kind of the way I think I deliver, I, I define political at this particular moment, at this particular time, in this particular seat. I mean, for whatever reason, that's born killers is what popped in my head. Probably because I was talking about Twitter, right? Yeah. And I think that's one of those movies, and I haven't seen it in quite a long time. But it's one of those that I think I'd probably, probably be pretty interested in watching now and saying, huh, I wonder what I think of it now, right? Um, so I don't, I don't have an easy answer, and I suck. But what are you going to do? You can kick me off. Yeah. What's your yeah. favorite political movie? Oh, fuck, I don't know. Ah! Figured you have an answer. Let me look at my Criterion collection real quick. Right, and that may not be on there, but I bet there's at least one. Yeah, I, I, I don't see anything. I'd have to turn on the light and look at my... Deep... For, for our listeners, I am such a nerd that I keep my Criterions separate from my Blu-rays... Well, you don't want them to be tainted. And then my Blu-rays separate from my DVDs, and then my DVDs separate from my copies. So basically what you're saying is you're a huge fan of segregation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Filmic segregation. By format. It just doesn't seem... And I picked that up from you, by the way, because oh. you had your criteria. Oh, yeah. I'm you a, had your laser discs. I'm totally a bigot in that regard. Yeah. I mean, my my laser disc... I, I, found, I found, like, I shit you not, like a hundred... Criterions oh. in the bin, laser discs. Dope. Uh, in the bin at the half price books on Westheimer and Montrose. Oh yeah. And so I dropped two hundred dollars fast. Sure. Which is a hell of a deal and a terrible waste of money. It's yes. Both at the exact same time. Yes. Do you have a laser player that works? I do. Oh, better than me. Mine broke. Yeah. It I did. Oh. Yeah. No. It you is. gotta find somebody to. I just need to. Yeah, which is probably not. They're as still easy. out there. Yeah, I got think? a I got a VCR, I like a working VCR. Why? Uh, so I can watch uh, Star Wars on the original videotape. Have you? I, uh, not yet. I bet you. I bet you're horrified by the picture quality if you do. You know, I watched something on a videotape a couple weeks ago, and something that I recorded off of HBO uh-huh. it was so bad. I'm sure. Yeah. And then you go to the video. It was it was a collection of uh, videos actually off of not just HBO, but it was a collection of videos that I taped off of MTV. Okay. From I this, in the eighties. I don't right. know eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine, and so it's six hours of hungry of, like the wolf. Fuck yeah, it's <laughs> right. And so I I remember, I remember in your room by the Bengals, being oh, yeah. being at that age, yeah, masturbatory material, <laughs> <laughs> and. <laughs> And uh, I I swear, uh, not so much anymore. Not so much. Like no. Like some, I, some I'm of the still, magic's gone. Still, still a Bengals fan. Yeah. Still, still love that video, but just not nearly as uh, not I remember as, uh, it to be. Yeah. Yeah. HD has changed your perspective. H- on HD porn. is different, man. <laughs> HD is different. All right, should we wind this up? I think that's probably a good idea. You're at one hour, 53 minutes, 54. All right. And there ain't no one who's listening. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming by and and doing this. I just hope hope I didn't drive off any subscribers. No, I I doubt it. Uh, I'm not really concerned about this. This podcast is not monetized. I don't do this for anybody else other than 
than your me. Own personal entertainment. Yeah, I had a had a great time doing the Terminator, and oh, I hope great. that you'll be back for some more. I, I, I absolutely would if you'll have me. So definitely listen yeah. to it, see if it makes sense. And I'm going to take a look at the Kingdom of Heaven, and I'm going to uh, yeah. we're going to think about the social network. That'll work. And uh, thanks for coming by. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was yeah. a pleasure. All right. All right. Peace out. Peace out. Thanks for hanging out with me and Dave while we caught up. He'll be back for future editions of the Super 70 podcast. Super 70 is a podcast meant to play along with the film we are discussing. You don't have to, though, and can go on listening without watching anything. I would, however, recommend that you watch the film we are discussing before listening to the Super 70 podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and my website at www.thatdillandavis.com. All music on this podcast was written and recorded by Rosalind McPhail. You can reach her at soundcloud.com. If you're offended by the interpretation of this film, please let me know by sending me an email at thatdillandavis at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please express this on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud by leaving a rating and a review. You can also find me on Twitter at thatdillandavis and find my books on amazon.com. This is Dylan Davis, and we'll still meet next time at Jack Rabbit Slims.